I'll actually start with a reading from the Bible. This is from the Gospel of John, from the Last Supper Discourse, in uh, chapter 15 of the Gospel of John. Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. And of course, in the context of, of the gospel, he's was giving this after the Last Supper, just before his own crucifixion. That verse was probably, I imagine, certainly it was well known to Dr. Martin Luther King and probably had a lot of resonance for him in the last 10 years of his life when he, he received so many death threats. Um, as you may know, today is the anniversary of his passing, the anniversary of his, his assassination. And so I thought it would be appropriate to talk today about what I call the sacrifice of love. Um, and I think it, in some ways the, the example of Dr. King makes it so clear. Um, he was a man who, despite threats, just carried on with this incredible mission of love and caring. Um, he actually was in Memphis uh, to support a strike of sanitation workers. That's why he went to Memphis. So risking his life, essentially, to support sanitation workers. That's how his life ended. Um, and it's it's funny because it, in some ways it's so clear how much he, you know, his death in many ways was a martyr's death. You know, it was a national tragedy at the time, but as time has passed, it, it still has such resonant significance for us. This man who, who believes so deeply in his ideal that he's willing to die for it. Um, now, of course, in our own lives, we probably will not have that opportunity to have some kind of dramatic death for the sake of our, our beliefs, that sort of thing. Um, and what I think is really much more important is just how we embody that, that attitude every day. You know, what are, what are we really willing to risk ourselves for? What, what is our, what are our deepest values? You know, and if someone just, say someone followed you around with a camera and filmed you during the course of a day. And, you know, we'll even give you a pass, not even one of your bad days. Let's say one of your better days, you know, film you, you know, everything you did, every, all, all your self-talk, you know, the whole thing, and then just showed it to a room full of, of objective observers. What would they conclude that you valued? You know, it, it's very humbling in a way. Um, as we walk around in our ordinary day, everyday life, you know, in the grocery store or something, if we went to the grocery store and people were to interview the people at the grocery store after we left and said, you know, what, what vibe did you get from that person? And, you know, what is it, what is that person about, you know? Would we have left any impression? Would we have left the impression that we'd like to think we'd leave? You know, all that stuff. 
And I think it's it's very tricky because, how can I say, there's this, uh, I think it's a quote on the quote sheet that um, Jack Kornfield says very pithily, your problem is you think you have time. You know, and I think there's a way that we all get a bit lazy in thinking that, oh, you know, sometime in the future, I'll get my act together. Sometime in the future, I'll, I'll really live you know, my life the way that, so it's aligned with my values, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting meditation. What if this evening the angel of death appeared and said, okay, your life is going to end now. Could we look back at our life happy that we've we've uh, really lived the way we wanted, embodied the ideals that we wanted? You know, and you know, fortunately, there's no angel hitman that's going to visit us. But you know, to what extent? Um, you know, it's it's a challenge to us because really, none of us know the future. You know, there's there's a very good chance that all of us will be still alive and healthy 10, 20 years from now, but any one of us could get run over by a truck tomorrow, you know? It's just the nature of life. And I think that the whole topic of life purpose and and what we're willing to sacrifice, um, it brings to mind our mortality. You know, what is our matter? What is our life really going to count for in the end? There are so many directions to, to this idea of the sacrifice of love. All love, in some ways, involves some kind of sacrifice. Um, you know, and it's. Uh, and again, it's where our attention is is sometimes caught by the the example of someone like Gandhi or Dr. King, someone who's who's had a you know a, a public kind of career and a public martyr's death. Um, a lot of times, the sacrifice of love plays out in small ego deaths every day. You know, and it, it's not the one one great sacrifice in a in a theatrical way. It's the, the, you might say, the stirring the oatmeal ordinary sacrifices. Um, somewhere in his writings, Jung has this great phrase, any victory for the higher self is a defeat for the ego. You know, and just this idea that as my deeper purpose is unfolding, you know, it's not unfolding in a way that is propelling my ego to some kind of like, look at me, how great I am. It's quite the opposite. It's it's a letting go. It is a an emptying out. Kenosis is the 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 more uh, Christian theological word. The the emptying out that that Christ Himself embodied. And you know there it's a paradox in a way because we can choose to live in a way that's very generous and giving. 
Or, of course, we could choose to be misers and very miserly and very defended against the world. And either way, we, we know at the end we're going to have to give everything away anyway. You know? And it's almost this, this question of, you know, do I want to be in the place of, of the, you know, the active participating in the sacrifice of love with everything that's difficult about that and everything that's fulfilling about that? Um, or do I want to be struggling with all my might against it, you know, which in some ways is, is probably just as difficult, if not more so, you know. So there's this passage that I was drawn to. This is from T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets. I'll, I'll read it once and then I'll talk about it. This is from the, the last of the four quartets. The dove descending breaks the air with flames of incandescent terror, of which the tongues declare the one discharge from sin and error. The only hope or else despair lies in the choice of pyre of, or pyre to, re, to be redeemed from fire by fire. Who then devised the torment? Love. Love is the unfamiliar name behind the hands that wove the intolerable shirt of flame which human power cannot remove. We only live, only suspire, consumed by either fire or fire. It's a complex passage because he's mixing a few different metaphors there. One is a lot of imagery of the Holy Spirit, the dove and the flame. Um, he was also writing the four quartets in the, in the 40s during the Battle of Britain. And so to some extent, the dove descending breaks the air is also the Luftwaffe bomber. You know, so he's combining these images and, and this whole idea that the, the Holy Spirit's impact on us is can be as disruptive as a kind of bombing, you know. Um, the other image that is just very powerful in this, the intolerable shirt of flame. Um, this is an image from Greek mythology. It's, uh, it's from the story of Hercules, and it said that um, Hercules um, was something where a, a centaur was was helping Hercules' wife across a river or something like this, and and the the uh, and then the centaur, being being uh, an irrepressibly uh, lecherous character, tried to run off with Hercules' wife, which of course is a bad idea, and Hercules shot him with an arrow. But as the as the centaur was dying, he he gave gave Hercules' wife a vial of his blood and, and lying said, you know, if you ever think that Hercules is, is being unfaithful to you or straying from you, put this on his shirt and it will, it will make him love you again. And so at some point, for whatever reason, she had her doubts, put this on his shirt. Well, then it, had, it didn't have that effect. The shirt started to burn Hercules like fire. And, and he was not able to, and it was stuck to his flesh and he couldn't pull it off and he was in torment. Um, and because he was a demigod, he actually just had everyone build him a funeral pyre and it burnt away, the funeral pyre burnt away the mortal parts of him and the immortal parts of him became a god. Um, 
but just this this powerful um, powerful image, almost of the how can I say the embrace of love, almost that that embrace when we start to understand the path that we need to tread. We're embraced by it, and we may struggle again. It may be the last thing we want to do, you know. But but it has us in our grip now, you know, and that is our path. And so we're consumed either by fire or fire. So I'll share the quote sheet at this point. Shared it on Zoom. Share it with the roomies. So at the top I have the the quote from the Gospel of John and the the T.S. Eliot quote. The Nepalese saying, I don't know how old this saying is, but great love and great achievement involve great risk. Seneca the Elder said, we should give as we would receive, cheerfully, quickly, and without hesitation, for there is no grace in benefit that sticks to the fingers. Love that metaphor. The poet Hyphez said, how did the rose ever open its heart and give to the world all of its beauty. It felt the encouragement of light against its being. Otherwise, we all remain too frightened. Such a beautiful quote. Wilfred Greenfeld said, The service we render to others is really the rent we pay for our room on earth. It is obvious that man is himself a traveler, that the purpose of this world is not to have and to hold, but to give and to serve. There can be no other meaning. Albert Einstein said, A hundred times every day I remind myself that my inner and outer life depend on the labors of other men, living and dead, and that I must exert myself in order to give in the measure I've received and still am receiving. Swami Ramdas said, Just as a flower gives out its fragrance to whomever whomsoever approaches or uses it, so love from within us radiates toward everyone and manifests as spontaneous service. A couple from Henry Miller. I know what the greatest cure is. It is to give up, to relinquish, to surrender, so that our little hearts may beat in unison with the great heart of the world. He also said, why are we so full of restraint? Why do, not, why do we not give in all directions? Is it the fear of losing ourselves? Until we do lose ourselves, there can be no hope of finding ourselves. From Karlfried Graf Durkheim. The man who, really being on the way, falls upon hard times in the world, will not, as a consequence, turn to a friend who offers him refuge or comfort and, and encourages his old self to survive. Rather, he will seek out someone who will faithfully and inexorably help him to risk himself so that he may endure the suffering and pass courageously through it, only to the extent that man exposes himself over and over again to annihilation. Can that which is indestructible arrive within him? 
In this lies the dignity of daring. Dag Hammarskjöld said, You are merely the lens and the beam. You only can receive, give, and possess the light as the lens does. If you seek yourself, you rob the lens of its transparency. You will know life and be acknowledged by it according to your degree of transparency, your capacity, that is, to vanish as an end and remain purely as a means. Anais Nin said, And the day came when the risk it took to remain tight inside the bud was more painful than the risk it it took to blossom. David Stendhal Rost, who is who's still with us, very old at this point, love wholeheartedly, be surprised, give thanks and praise, then you will discover the fullness of your life. The Jack Cornfield quote I already quoted, Bell Hook said, the practice of love offers no place of safety. We, list, we risk loss, hurt, pain. We risk being acted upon by forces outside of our control. David White, in a, in a seminar I heard a couple of years ago, a webinar, my good sister Jane, who's a nurse and who has sat by the deathbed of the dying for years, she always says it's not what they did that they regret, but what they didn't do. It's the way they weren't generous, the way that they didn't give what they could have given when they could have given it. And in this time at the end, when everything's being taken away anyway, they realize in a sense how ridiculous it was to hold on to something that would have to be given in the end anyway. To give it voluntarily, to give it generously, to give it in the right moment when it's asked for, when the tide is just right, to be present, to give it away and then turn away and be happy in having given. Veronica Roth says, I belong to the people I love, and they belong to me. They and the love and loyalty I give them form my, my identity far more than any word or group ever could. Amit Gupta says, Nothing in nature lives for itself. Rivers don't drink their own water. Trees don't eat their own fruit. Sun doesn't give heat for itself. Flowers don't spread fragrance for themselves. Living for others is the rule of nature. Therein lies the secret of life. And finally, Michael Keeley says, In your life, be happy. In your meditation, go deep. And in your love, give freely. Peace is here.